0: And that forming that brand out of their authentic selves is the best strategy for success in dentistry today.
1: So this podcast is brought to you by Zana. And Zana makes electric toothbrushes, but it's more than that. They have a program that'll grow your practice with their electric toothbrushes.
2: Hey, this is Sean with Dr. Allison House on the Authentic Dentist podcast podcast. And we are here still at Voices of Dentistry in Scottsdale, having a ton of fun. And we just met someone really special, Dr. Maestas, with a new podcast called New Dentists on the Block. We are so happy to have you here. I'm
0: honored to be here. Get
2: to find out what it is that you're doing in dentistry.
0: Absolutely. Um, So I'm Tanya Maestas. I started a new podcast uh, by the name New Dentists on the Block. It's an opportunity to showcase new dentists who have graduated to share their stories, successes, failures, and life in between. I'm a uh, dentist that works in public health. Um, it has been very rewarding. It has been very busy. And I'm also a part-time faculty member at the Woody L. Hunt School of Dental Medicine in El Paso, Texas. Yeah, that, that's, that's me in a nutshell.
1: <laughs> well, tell us your story. How did yeah. you
0: decide to become a dentist? What inspired uh, you? Um, so I did a science project in the fifth grade to see what drinks stains teeth the most. And I had an opportunity to meet with different dentists in the El Paso community. They were very supportive of me. They opened their door. They allowed me to shadow, and they were overall happy with what they did. They they loved their patients, and they loved their craft, and it just stuck with me. So I knew that I wanted to go into dentistry, and I knew I wanted to give back to a community like El Paso that had a lot of pockets of patients that were underserved. We have a lot of patients and a lot of people who live in El Paso who go across the border to get medical and dental care because it is very expensive in El Paso and in the United States. And for me, I I knew that had to be different. Um, I knew that that had to to change. And, you know, my mother would always share stories that for her growing up across the border, uh, whenever they went to the dentist, it was not trying to save teeth. It was pulling teeth. That's, That's what they did. Um, so I went into dental school. I uh, got a scholarship with the National Health Service Corps that paid for my schooling and returned to service in an underserved area. And now I work 45 minutes outside of the city and the commute can be really tough, but we're really uh, the only dentists out there. So without us, it would be hard for this uh, patient population to receive care. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you
1: don't hear that very often. Yeah,
0: it, it's, a, it's a great route. I would encourage uh, new dentists out there who are looking for some loan repayment. Uh, this is a great opportunity for you to take advantage of that, but also provide care and give back to the community. Now, I understand you're also part of um, organized dentistry. That's right, yeah. Uh, organized dentistry for me um, started when I was a, a student. I was involved with ASDA. I was a national ASDA president, and now I'm involved at all three levels. I feel very passionate about organized dentistry, I think that as a profession, we are only as strong as we are collectively in numbers. And advocacy uh, is the strongest pillar of what organized dentistry has to offer. But in my, in my opinion, mentorship and friendship is the best benefit that you get out of organized dentistry. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that you share that you know uh, Duco. He will have to get a picture and share that with him, but he will love that, to know that we connected. Uh, but it's people like him and yourself who continue to make a difference for our profession. That helps move the profession
2: forward.
1: Well, we appreciate that. Thank you.
2: <laughs> okay. So I'm still curious though. Yep. So fifth grade yes. was this science um, experiment. Yeah. I like the idea of drinks and stains, yes. but like what nurtured, like, cause fifth grade is pretty young. Yeah, it's, so, it's so pretty meaning young. like, was there any, any um, influences in high school um, uh, yeah. or, or any family members or people oh, that you knew,
0: um, you know, I'm, I'm the first to, uh, graduate from college first to have a advanced degree in my family and, uh, I'm a product of their hard, uh, but I had a ton of support, but from there, I, I don't know. I just, it kind of just stuck and I, I shadowed and, and you know, they, they were very well, the dentists were very welcoming to me and, um, I don't know i I just fell in love with it from that young of an age and i know that's silly but it just kind of stuck with me and i i wanted to grow that and so everything that i did pretty much from that point forward educationally was to try to get into dental school
2: well because it's funny because it triggered a memory of one of the science experiments that i did (laughs) which was um the burn rate of different fabrics oh um whether it was silk or pure cotton Mm -hmm. and i was studying the flame the color of the flame uh anything that had like some synthetic smelled horrible because it had like plastics in it. Um But I didn't go on to do anything with uh fire, even though I was a pyro <laughs> as a kid. So that's why I was like, well, <laughs> that somehow, uh I don't think it influenced the trajectory of my career, yes. but I'm really glad it did yours. Yes.
0: Yeah, I, I'm glad you didn't go the, the permanent pyro route. <laughs> but yes, it, it had an influence and I'm glad that uh, I was able to see that kind of full circle.
2: S- so your mission, sorry, I,
1: Oh, I was just going to ask, is, is there a specific patient story that inspired you? Did you have a, a patient that really warmed your heart and made you want to do this?
0: Um, I think that the, the patients that I see, we do a lot of dentures. And you, you shared with me earlier that you see a lot of an older population and, and we do as well, too. And so we do a lot of dentures and I've gotten fairly good at them. As, as good as you can get with dentures. And I think that um, those stories that I get from those patients who haven't been able, you know, to, to function and to eat, I think those are the ones that kind of influence me, influence me most. Um, and of course, you know, the, the various stories that I got from friends and families who, who family members who couldn't see a dentist, um, you know, growing up or or can't see a dentist in in the El Paso area because of what the cost is. And we have great dentists and, you know, you just have to seek them out. But uh, oftentimes there are still barriers to care um, inhibiting patients from from getting that care.
2: Allison, did you tell her how we met? I didn't. Do you want to?
1: Yeah, please tell me. We met at the Mission of Mercy. Oh, I love it. That's wonderful. Mission of Mercy in Arizona happens every December at the Veteran Coliseum. Okay. And that particular year, I was the president of the Arizona Dental Association. Awesome. And Sean came in, and so I was touring him around, showing him everything, and we just connected over this, yeah, wanting to help people. Oh, that's that's awesome.
0: I think that that really is the core of what dentistry is, is the ability to help others.
2: Well, so I am not a dentist, so I wasn't able to help in that capacity. So I was like, hey guys, how do you need me? And they're like, well, could you actually just, um, you know, kind of like oversee the line because there's a huge line outside and just kind of engage with people and just sentiment, see how they're doing. So I, it was actually more for security reasons, but I'm not a security guy. So I just wanted to talk to people. I I love people. And uh, obviously it wasn't a lot of people that I could directly relate to. So I just broke down any kind of barrier and just started like asking questions. There were people that had been waiting there for like 48 hours spending the night because they needed these mm-hmm. services. Mm-hmm. And I remember I spoke to one woman and she's like, look, I've had a tough life. I've been shot twice. I broke my femur. I've had kids and this tooth abscess hurts more than any of that. And I was just like, I, I had no idea yeah. getting to hear these people's stories and, and they didn't have access. dental care which is why they were waiting in line this was like for some of them it you know one guy got a a brand new smile he got some sort of denture because he didn't have teeth Uh, my buddy maz and he was a different person the second that Mm -hmm. was there just the confidence his whole it's like his whole life changed just from that
1: there's some dignity you're giving somebody some dignity when they're able to smile again they can connect with people i mean that's just it's really impactful
0: yeah yeah. I couldn't agree more, and um, we see we see a lot of that um, in in public health, um, where we have a lot of patients who have never been to the dentist for the same reason, and to be able to restore their smile in in some way, I think is huge and, and very
1: very rewarding. It really is. Yeah. So tell us about your podcast. How did you get involved in this?
0: Yeah. So for a few years, I, I've wanted to start a podcast, and. Um, you know, very clinical dental, Alan Mead, listening to everything that kind of he did um, and, and his podcasts kind of influenced me. And I knew that I wanted to start somewhere. I didn't know what I wanted to do and what the focus would be. But through my involvement in ASDA, I had a lot of opportunities to connect with students who are now practicing dentists, who are practicing in a lot of different realms, who have wonderful stories to share. And I just think that these stories need to be publicized in some way, and so I would like to use this as an avenue to, you know, connect with them again, but to also share their stories and encourage others who are interested maybe in an alternative route of practice or need guidance in uh, maybe going into a private practice to hopefully get pearls um, from these stories.
1: And real stories matter. You know, I remember those first five years. I felt so alone, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was the only one who was floundering because everyone else was saying, oh, I'm killing it now i can tell you none of them you're killing it <laughs> yeah we were all struggling because it's just really hard right
0: i think in dentistry in general it can be very very isolating and in your first few years of practice it's you know very formative and you need a lot of guidance and you truly don't know what you don't know and so to get any kind of guidance i think can be helpful um and it it's great to see you know seasoned dentists like yourself who are killing it and doing great, and listening to those stories as well, too, uh, just to see what the trajectory of a future practice for an individual can look
1: like. Okay, I have a secret. Tell me. <laughs> no one is really killing it. We're all growing. You know, that doesn't mean that economically I'm doing very well. Mm-hmm. I, I've hit my number. But every day is still a journey, and there's still challenges that come up that I don't know how to handle, and oh. I've got to ask questions. So I don't know if you ever get to a point where, Everything is perfect, so don't think that's going to happen. And if you do, you should retire. <laughs>
0: yeah. Dentistry is hard. It dentistry is, is hard in, in a lot of ways. It's hard technically. It's hard emotionally, physically. The physical, um, I guess, pain that can come with practicing dentistry uh, can be a lot. Uh, can be a lot.
2: Well, I, I know it dawned on me one day because my whole journey was just learning business. You know, I was working with my dad. Um, And then gradually just teaching myself every aspect of what a business owner has to know. And then it dawned on me, my dental friends have to do this on top of everything they're responsible for clinically. Like it's not just the knowledge of a medical professional like a doctor it's also the surgical ability, like they're surgeons. Right. And I was just like, I was blown away. I was like, you have to know everything that an MD knows, but you also have to be a practitioner where you're an actually surgeon and you're a business owner. How, yeah. how do you do this? So it's,
1: it's hard. It's not even just being the business owner. It's being the leader. Mm. You know, I don't think that we're taught how to truly be a doctor in that that way where we're connecting with people and leading our team. And it doesn't matter if you own the practice or not. If you're the doctor in the practice,
0: you are a leader. Right. Your team looks to you for for guidance. And
1: and it's up to you to resolve,
0: um, you know, conflict as well, too. And I think that can be difficult for a lot of people. It can be difficult for me. I'm conflict avoidant. I don't really like conflict. And so it it can be hard to manage some, um, I guess, bickering that can occur in the dental office. Uh, But you're right. For, For us, when we started seeing patients in dental school, there was no course on how to speak to a patient. It was, you're going to start speaking to your patients and you know, good luck, we'll, we'll help you along the way. But if you are somebody who is more
1: reserved, that can be difficult, that can be challenging. And our, our education was such that I, I'm very good at taking tests. I'm very good at memorizing information yeah. and spurting it back out. But it's different to connect with somebody, and especially somebody who's not the same as I am, right. and give them dignity and respect. And those are all things that you have to do as a doctor. Right. And I don't know if we're taught that. I, I don't think we are.
0: Yeah, those communication skills are crucial, and we're not taught that. And I don't, I don't really know if there's a the best way to do that. I think that that's hard.
2: But that's like the collision between the science of dentistry and the art of business. Right. Because markets change all the time. Sure. Um, and it's just very different, like, like the control you have over a textbook, over s- figuring out, mastering some information, becoming great at it in this space where there's not another human. And then all of a sudden take that and now all of a sudden you're thrown into having to emotionally read someone. You don't know what their day was like. They're typically not, maybe they're not happy coming into your practice. Maybe they're frustrated. Maybe they don't have a lot of money. They're worried about what this is going to cost and you have to lead your team, address it the right way oh my gosh, like that's a recipe for a disaster. If you're, especially like you're young to practice and you haven't been given some sort of blueprint, you haven't been equipped with tools on how to do that. Thank God for like Mark Costas and what he does through <laughs> Dental Success Institute because this training needs to happen and you're not getting it in school.
1: Right. Now you're just kind of thrown to the wolves. You graduate. It's funny because you graduate. And you're like, oh, I'm a doctor. I've right. accomplished my goal. <laughs> and next? then you realize, oh... Yeah, there's still a lot to learn. Uh, So
0: so much in a lot of avenues. There's so much to learn clinically as well, too. I feel like you graduate out of dental school knowing the basics and, you know, enough not to like injure a patient, but there's so much more in dentistry to learn. And that can be very expensive as well, too. You know, continuing education uh, courses, which are very, very valuable, Um, but they're expensive and they do take time. So when you're trying to build yourself as a practitioner, you still want to make time to invest in yourself. And I, I would argue that that investment in yourself is the best investment.
1: Absolutely. So what are some of the themes you're hearing from the stories from these young dentists? Um, that dentistry's heart, <laughs> that, that coming out of, um,
0: of dental school and those first few years of practice, Um, those can be difficult because many of my colleagues are going into DSO practices, and oftentimes it's not what they expect, or it is very production-heavy, and they are pushing them for numbers and production. And it is hard for them to be true to what they they value and true to their core beliefs on what dentistry should be. And so it's hard. Um, You know, the the, the debt that students are coming out with now is um, astronomical, and it is very hard to manage that and when dso's are offering high value and a high salary that can be an easy way for students to, to pick jobs like this as opposed to you know going back home and going to your mom and pop uh, dental office that would be a great place for you to grow but financially may not be the best decision
1: it's interesting cuz in medicine we don't do this to people we put them in a residency right. so that they're nurtured for another 4 years yes now we don't pay them very well so that's yeah. the problem too <laughs> but at least they have some nurturing, right? whereas I, dentists, we just kind of throw them out. Right.
0: I, I would recommend recommend a, a residency, a PGY-1 to any dentist that's graduating. I think that there's value in it. Even the bad ones uh, can be good. You will get some kind of experience out of that and more guidance along the way. And it gives you time to figure out what you want to do, what you don't want to do. It gives you an extra year, maybe two, to start looking at different practices and different um, uh you know, dental practices that might be available to you that you'd like to connect with different dentists with. So I think that there's a lot of benefits in doing an extra year, an extra residency year. I did an AGD and uh, I learned a lot during that year. And, uh, you know, I continue to have fun for one more year before, you know, life set in. So that was kind of nice too.
2: So for people that want to see what you're doing and to, join this kind of journey with you yeah. like is there social profiles you want them to know about sure, is there a absolutely.
0: website yeah if if you're a new dentist out there and you'd like to share your story um please feel free to dm me you can follow me on instagram the podcast uh, instagram is new Dennis on the block my personal instagram is ts and the new dentist on the block uh, podcast is also on youtube so if you are more of a visual watcher you can watch those conversations on youtube
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. And please check her out. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Authentic Dentist podcast. To join Allison and Sean on this journey, hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Here's to your success. Express
1: yourself fully. Live authentic.